Okay. It's Communion Sunday, and uh, our message is going to be His voice makes a the difference. Okay, everybody, uh, reading from God's Word from the tenth chapter of John. We're going to read verses one through five, seven through eleven, and then fourteen through sixteen, and we can add on there uh, verse twenty-seven. Okay. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Most assuredly, I say to you that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep by name. And leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go out, go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and are known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them must I also bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us the Lord Jesus Christ to be the good shepherd to us, Lord. And teach us, Lord God, to listen and hear his voice and to follow him and follow his direction. And uh, Lord, we thank you that he does speak to us, that we can have this close personal relationship with him. And so, Lord, uh, teach us, Lord, always to uh, listen for him and to obey his voice. Thank you for being with us and ministering to us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we've been reading from John chapter 10. You know, John chapter 10 is the fulfillment of the 23rd Psalm. What is the 23rd Psalm called? The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's called the Shepherd's Psalm. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In this we're... 
introduced to one of the prominent names on Psalm 23, which is Jehovah-Rohi, which means the, uh, the Jehovah is the shepherd, or the Lord is my shepherd. Now, Jesus fulfilled this psalm as seen by his statements in John chapter 10 of being the door of the sheep and also the good shepherd. You know, this, these were two of the I am sayings of uh, the Gospel of John. Remember, I went through, uh, I think it was back in 2015, the uh, seven I am sayings of the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. We looked at that last week. And then in chapter 10, we have I am the door of the sheep. And that's in verse 7. And in verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now, those two uh, uh, images are interrelated. You see, they used to have uh, sheep out in a sheepfold. You know, during the uh, warmer months, the shepherd would tend the uh, sheep and he would gather all the sheep into the sheepfold at night. And then he would lay down in front of the door so that no animal, such as a wolf or something like that, could come in and uh, uh, kill the sheep and carry them off. So he, the shepherd himself, was the door of the sheep because he would lie there at the uh, uh, entrance. And then Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So the two images right there being the door of the sheep and the good shepherd are interrelated. And since he is the good shepherd, we are his flock. You know, sometimes I think that God created sheep as a physical image to show us exactly what we are in a spiritual sense. You know, sheep have no natural defense against predators, no innate sense of danger, a follow-the-leader kind of uh, uh, mentality, and they have no homing instinct. And that's the way that we are in a spiritual sense, too. Now, while it's true of wild sheep that they have such defense as horns, of course, everybody knows rams have horns, and of course, you've got bighorn sheep, too. Domestic uh, sheep have a very little of this uh, themselves. They seem to have become so dependent on humans to defend them against predators. And so it's true of us spiritually that we have no natural spiritual defense against Satan and his demonic hordes. Spiritually speaking, they are far superior to us in their power. And we are very easy prey to them if we seek to confront them spiritually in our own strength. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, he wrote, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him steadfastly in the faith. 
Jesus is the only one that can enable you to overcome what uh, Paul describes as the wiles of the devil. Also, Paul wrote about the whole armor of God. Remember, we talked about the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of faith, the helmet of salvation, so on and so forth. The whole armor of who? The whole armor of God. These are spiritual pieces of armor that he enables you to defend yourself against the enemy. Another thing, too, is the uh, sheep have no innate sense of danger. I'm sorry, I would slide behind here. Fallen mankind as a whole has no sense of the spiritual danger that lies all around them. They are unaware that apart from salvation and a personal relationship with the living God, they are rushing headlong into an impending doom which is to be forever separated from him, the living God. And those that are aware of these spiritual forces uh, often seek to harness them for their own benefit through such things as the occult. You know, or maybe they use drugs which are related to the occult. And they supposedly can see God and meet God through these occultic forces. And they can get these occultic forces to work for them. Then, but in the process, they put themselves into even more spiritual danger because the forces they seek to harness uh, will actually enslave them and cause them problems in their lives. Paul wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those that are perishing. Veiled, that is, they can't see the spiritual danger that they are in. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Thirdly, the sheep have a follow the leader kind of mentality. They'll follow anyone or anything that seems to know where he is going. That's why they, uh, you get them to follow the shepherd or maybe the sheepdog. I think I told you the story one time I, uh, when the uh, two Thai ladies came, uh, uh, Ajahn Apple and Ajahn Wow, uh, we went to uh, uh, see the sites around here. We went all the way up to Moab and went to Arches and Canyonlands. And then when we were driving back, we went through from Kayanta to uh, Page. And I still remember riding, you know, driving through that road on the way through, and I saw this flock of sheep, and they were uh, running right alongside the road there. And there was a sheepdog that was running alongside it, and that dog made sure that those, none of those sheep strayed into the road. And made me a real believer out of uh, uh, sheepdogs after see, seeing that. Some of you that uh, uh, 
have lived on the reservation, you probably know a lot more about this than what I do. Now this is true of us spiritually though, is it leads people to follow anyone who seems to more, know more than what they do in a spiritual sense. <clears throat> this leads to them to follow all manner of cult leaders, you know, uh, the, and these cult leaders lead them astray. In the Western world, the, the people, these people that appear to know the Bible, but they uh, just know how to wield it. And that's how you get the cults starting up. The uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, uh, Jim Jones, you know, even though Jim Jones really didn't know the Bible, in fact, he rejected the Bible. I've heard it said that uh, he once tossed uh, the Bible onto the floor and pointed to it and said, too many people are uh, uh, listening to this more than they're listening to me. So in other words, he thought he had a superior revelation to the Bible. And then what happened with Jim Jones? He relocated uh, most of the people in his cult to a place in uh, Guyana where he could do his thing without having to worry about being harassed. And when it became apparent to him that the jig was up when Congressman Leo Ryan went out there, you know, he had Leo Ryan killed and then he led the some 900 members of his cult into a ritual suicide. He was one of the uh, uh, strangers to false prophets. So we have these cults here. Over in much of the rest of the world, though, you've got Eastern religions, which they have out there in uh, uh, the Far East. And, of course, in the Middle East, you have Islam. Uh, they're leading people astray. And Paul wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. There it is, for it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works." And the fourth and final thing about sheep that I notice is they have no homing instinct. While some animals have homing instincts and can find their way back to their homes, you know, such as dogs, sheep have none of that. If they are lost, they are lost with no hope of getting back unless the shepherd goes out and looks for them. Thus you have the parable of the lost sheep. In Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7, you know the story of the uh, lost sheep. Man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray. And the shepherd goes out and leaves the 99 behind and goes out looking for the sheep. And then he finds it and he brings it uh, back on his shoulders and he tells all of his friends and neighbors, rejoice with me, you know, my uh, sheep uh, that was lost, I was able to find it. Also, Jesus talked about this 
in uh, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 34, or I should say uh, it's related in Mark 6, 34. It says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And finally, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the story of Zacchaeus. When Jesus was passing by, Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector and a very short man, climbed a sycamore tree to, so he could get a look of, at Jesus as he was passing by. And as Jesus passed by, he looked up. And it's funny because he knew Zacchaeus' name. And he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I must dine at your house today. And of course, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled about this. Oh, he's going to eat with a uh, tax collector, you know, a sinner. And uh, Jesus told him, told them, you know, that uh, he would come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, the main point, one of the main points of John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, is that you can have, as one of his sheep, you can have a personal relationship with him, the shepherd. In John chapter uh, uh, 10, verse 3, it says, To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. It's almost like he treats them just like they're his pets, right? I mean, if you got a pet in your house, you know, a dog, you give the dog a name. And the dog knows its name. So if the good shepherd has such familiarity with his sheep that he is able to call his sheep by name, this sounds an awful light, like a, a lot like a close personal relationship to me. So my question to you today is, how is your relationship with Jesus? Do you just say, well, I go to church and now and then I pray and uh, sometimes I maybe uh, read the Bible, you know. But when you pray, who does all the talking? Do you do all the talking? You know, in a normal personal relationship, does one person do all the talking? Sounds like kind of a broken relationship to me, doesn't it? You know, one person does all the talking. Do you do all the talking with God in your prayer time? Do you, you know, ever take the time to listen to Him, what He might be saying to you? And here's another thing that uh, God spoke to me about just this past week. When you talk to God, do you talk at Him or do you talk to Him? You say, what do you mean by talk at him? I mean you talk at him without any 
sensation of his presence being there? Do you take the time to let him come in and feel his presence? Do you do that? If you're not doing that, you're talking at him. You're just, you know, you may have a big, uh, long prayer list that you go. And, you know, if you don't take the time to uh, experience, you know, his presence, you know, it's just like you're, you're listing all these things off. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever heard, you, you ever thought of it that way? You shouldn't talk at God. You should talk to him. You should make sure that he's right there and he's listening to them. It's kind of like a person, you know, that uh, uh, talk, talk, talks, you know, and they don't look at who they're talking to. You know what I mean? They don't make eye contact. you got to make eye contact, you know, spiritually speaking with God before you begin to talk to him. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> a personal relationship with this shepherd here. Verse 3 of uh, John chapter 10. To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, you know, and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before. You know, a lot of times they would have the different flocks inside that uh, sheepfold right there. So that's why the shepherd also had to have familiarity with his own sheep. That's what Jesus is saying. He says that twice. His own sheep right there. He brings out his own sheep. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and am known by my own. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So these scriptures all imply the close personal relationship that Jesus wants to have with all of us. But how can we know? That is, how can we recognize his voice if we do not listen to him. Amen? Amen? And for this reason, we also need to uh, be able to recognize the voice of strangers. So the flip side of this coin is how do we recognize the voice of strangers? And by this, I think Jesus is talking about... Uh, our enemies in this world. What are our enemies in this world? The world, the flesh, and the devil. How about recognizing these and recognizing the voice of false prophets? I've just been talking about that. How do we know when they lead us or are leading us astray? You can recognize the voices of the, those three enemies by the results that they bring in your life. The voice of the world, for example, at best will cause you to waste time that is better spent in fellowshipping with the Lord. You know, if you're wasting a lot of time watching TV or doing things like that, and you don't have time to spend with the Lord, 
You've got your priorities mixed up. So, at best, the world is going to take away time that you should be spending uh, with the Lord. And at worst, it's going to stir up passions of your flesh and leading to you to listen to that, that voice of the flesh. You say, well, how do I hear the voice of the world? Well, you vo- hear the voice of the world, just turn on your, tune in your TV set. You know, and especially if you're watching th- things like the uh, uh, sitcoms these days, or even worse, maybe the soap operas out there. That's the voice of the world speaking. You're listening to voice uh, worldly people. Or maybe you've got ungodly friends that you listen to. You know what the is, uh, very first verse in the book of Psalms, you know what the very first uh, verse says? It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Everybody's probably got, you know... Uh, People, you know, friends that, you know, don't follow the Lord. And if you try to follow their counsel, you know, seek advice from them, you're going to hear the voice of the world. If you're going to get counsel, who, who do you get counsel from? From people that know the Lord. And even more important, you get counsel from the Word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. The voice of the flesh. The voice of the flesh will lead you into sin. James wrote in James chapter 1 verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. That's the flesh speaking, the desires of the flesh, and enticed. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So this is where those false prophets and teachers, uh, what they do. They tell people what they want to hear and they make them feel comfortable in their sin. You know, I get uh, stand up to you Sunday in and Sunday out and I tell you to stay away from sin, from the sins of the flesh. They will, these false prophets will get people to indulge in their uh, flesh. And it said in the, says in Second Timothy chapter three verses, uh, I'm sorry, chapter four verses three and four, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, these fleshly desires, they will. Because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers. These people will come and they will just tickle the people's ears. And a lot of people are like that. Even these health and wealth gospel pe- uh, people, you know. Oh, you can, you know, God's going to give you perfect health. He's going to give you uh, a nice house, 
uh, riches and things like that. And all it is is just desires of the flesh. And that's why so many people are following them. You know, Jim Jones, which I, who I mentioned before, he never convicted people of sin. And that's one of my jobs here as the pastor, is I'm to, to let you know what sin is and to avoid it at all costs. Verse 4, And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. So that's one of the things about the voice of God. Is the voice of God will never tell you it's okay to sin. Amen? That's the voice of the enemy. And speaking of the voice of the enemy, the serpent. You can distinguish between the voice of the devil and the voice of the God by the way it is delivered to you. The voice of the devil will always be harsh and condemning. But the voice of God will be gentle and loving and caring with a view to correct you and set you on the, uh, the uh, 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 proper path if there's sin in your life. You know, the devil is like this. First he gets you to sin, and then he comes in, and he, he condemns you for doing the sin that he, uh, you know, enticed you to do in the first place. Now God, don't get me wrong on this, God will convict uh, believers. He will rebuke us and reprove us if we fall down in a particular area in our lives. He will even chastise us, but he will never demean or demoralize his children. He will never put you down, never, nor will he ever intentionally hurt you. God loves us, and he pours out that love as a loving father would. So any voice that demeans you and puts you down and condemns you does not come from God. And you can also tell the voice of the devil by its results. The voice of the devil will make you fearful. It'll make you resentful. It'll make you depressed. And all manner of other negative things that come into your life. So often those things happen to us and we get depressed because we're listening to the devil rather than listen to God. So don't listen to the devil. Keep in mind the kind of uh, God that we have. The kind, And I've been trying very hard to give you a proper image of what God is all about in these messages. Now, I'm going to wrap things up. Uh, Looks like I'm a little bit early today, but that's okay. How many of you don't mind getting out a little bit early? Okay, concluding thoughts here. While the major source that we hear the voice of God is through His written Word, that's why I encourage you to read it, He also allows us to hear His voice in our day-to-day -day activities. 
especially in the secret place of prayer. That's why you should begin every day in that secret place of prayer. Read the Word, get into the secret place of prayer. Make sure you sense God's presence first. You know, I've told you that story before about uh, praying Hyde of India. He was called the Apostle of Prayer. And he would sometimes spend four, six, eight, and even ten hours a day. Sometimes he would awaken in the middle of the night. You know, one person that was sleeping in the room next to him noticed his light would come on. You know, and then maybe an hour or two later, it would come on again. You know, God just brought some kind of prayer request to his mind and he had to get down on his knees. So... He did this for a number of years in the country of India, one of the most ungodly places in the world. You know, I've never been to India, but I've always wanted to go and see it for myself. But uh, they were having this revival meeting, and uh, it seemed like the revival wasn't really going anywhere. And then all of a sudden... uh, uh, Praying Hyde shows up, and the the person that was leading the revival said immediately, things just turned around just like that. And after one of the meetings, he went to, uh, you know, John Hyde, Praying Hyde, and he said, "Uh, Brother Hyde, would you pray for me? And, uh, you know, Praying Hyde uh, took him aside. You know, they went into a separate room, and, uh, you know, He dropped down to his knees. Both of them dropped down to their knees. And praying, I just knelt there. And he didn't say a single word for about five minutes. And then the fellow said that he, praying Hyde, looked up there to heavens and the tears were streaming down his face. And he said, oh God. And then he was silent for another five minutes. Keep in mind, this is a man that spent all his time in prayer. He knew God, but he took the time to make sure he was in God's presence. And finally, when he began to open up and uh, pray for this man, he said, the man said it was just, a, you know, the petitions, like nothing he'd ever heard about, you know, just flowed off of his lips. That was a man that knew God But he took that first 10 minutes to make sure he was there in God's presence. So the people that know how to pray, take that time. And they see the value of it. Make sure that they are in the presence of God. So we need to take the time to get before the Lord in prayer and make sure we're in his presence. Now, I'm going to have a concluding song here, and it's entitled, His Voice Makes a Difference. It was written by a woman by the name of uh, uh, Margaret, uh, I guess it's Toady or Toetti Holly. And, you know, yesterday morning, I was uh, going to start writing my sermon for today. And I was going to uh, do it on a completely different subject. You know, I didn't seem to have 
you know, heard any specific word that God wanted me to give for this communion service. You know, I try to, during the uh, uh, most of the month, to follow along in this series, you know, our series in uh, uh, the attributes of God. And I was all prepared to go on to the next attribute of God, which is the immutability or unchangeableness of God. That's what I was going to preach on today. But I was watching uh, Donnie Swaggart's, uh, uh, you know, his uh, uh, TV program called the, the Story Behind the Song. And the song that he dealt with was this one here. You know, the, his voice makes the difference. And like I said, it was uh, written by this woman by the name of uh, Margaret Toetti uh, uh, Holly. And she and her husband pastored a church. And then one day the unthinkable happened. Her husband, the pastor, was in a horrific car accident. And he wound up in a coma. And, you know, they took him to the hospital. And Ms. Uh, Holly is in there, and uh, uh, the doctors told him, you know, I want to be frank with you. There's not very much hope at all for him to ever recover. And he said, well, we can try this one operation, you know, and uh, see if that will work. And so they performed the operation, and it did not work. And so they said to her, he said, uh, he's not going to recover. You know, he'll never be the same. Uh, you might think about letting him go. And she said, no, I'm not going to let him go. And you know what happened? He was in that hospital for the next five years. And she came to him. You know, she spent, you know, and, and she, keep in mind, she's keeping the church going. And she's got to drive the long distance to the hospital, stay with him, pray with him, you know, play Christian music for him, you know. And she did that for five years. And finally the hospital says, we can't keep him here any longer. We've got to free up the room, you know, here in the hospital. So he wound up being taken to a uh, uh, nursing home. And... Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, the nursing home finally told me it was useless. You know, so she says, I want to bring him to my house. And they said, you don't understand. You know, uh, you're going to have to do all these different things. You're going to have to, uh, you know, he's a, he was a, apparently a, a big, heavy man. And she was just really small. And you're going to have to turn him over every two hours. You've got to change his bedpan. You've got to bathe him. You've got to do all these things. And he, she said, yes, I'm willing to do that. And so I don't know how many years that this had gone on that she, you know, he was in this coma. And they kept on telling her, you've got to let him go. And finally, he, she got, had a visit with a man of God that he, she really respected. And he said to her, he said, you need to hear what God would have to say. Because his voice makes the difference. 
She's put her you know, personal life on hold for so long and just ha- handling the things there for the church. And she apparently was very musically talented. You know, there's a, uh, you know, Christian recording outfit in uh, uh, Nashville. You know, she, she lived in uh, uh, western Illinois that wanted her to come down, you know, and uh, get involved in a music ministry there. And she said, no, I've got to care for my husband. And so uh, she, she was musically talented. And she heard her friends say, his voice makes the difference. And she said to uh, herself, that's got to be something that I can write a song about. And so in just a few minutes time, she was able to write this song that we're going to listen to in just a few minutes. So my... Communion meditation for you today is, I want all of us to make a commitment to learn to get quiet before the Lord in prayer. And at other times, especially if it's in a time of great need. You know, the the end of the story, I'd love to tell you that her husband got healed, but he didn't. And... She finally listened to the, the voice of reason, you know, these, what people had been telling her, and she let him go, and uh, he passed on to uh, uh, his eternal reward, reward. But through that, what she suffered all those years of caring for him, this song was the outgrowth of that. His voice makes a difference. Jesus said, That his sheep know my voice. Is that true in your life? So, with that in mind, let's go into... Whoop, what happened?